4: There's one week left in the fantasy season. Mike Williams had a day on Thursday. Dalvin Cook has been solid. And there were some ugly, ugly, ugly quarterback performances. We're talking all that and more on Roto-Viz Radio.
3: What's up, Roto-Viz?
4: I'm Dave Cabin, senior fantasy analyst at Rotoviz. This is Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by my bookie. I'm joined by Matthew Friedman, editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. There is one week left, Matt. How are you feeling about your teams? If you still have any left at this point, it's been a long season in my opinion.
1: Yeah, um, I have some teams left. I'm about to get kicked out of the Scott Fish Bowl, which is unfortunate. Uh, but I have a Keenan Allen team in that, and so uh, he basically sunk me from the yep. beginning. But that's fine, you know, stuff like that happens. Uh, you mentioned Mike Williams, my uh, longtime Dynasty League. I have Mike Williams, and it's the uh, the best ball league. Um, so it's good, you know, cause I didn't really have to worry about whether I would have started him or not. So, uh, got the, the massive benefit of that three touchdown performance. So, uh, on to the finals. So it's, uh, it's nice. good. It's the, let's see, I've made the, the semis, uh, I think like every year for the past, like six or seven years. And I've won three of like the past seven years. So going for my fourth and eight. So if I, if I win that,
4: uh, I will be pretty excited. Nice. Nice. Well, I think that there are a lot of fantasy gamers on extreme tilt after uh, the Keenan Allen injury, the Aaron Jones injury. Maybe you played a team that picked up Darren Williams. uh, And it's looking like we could have an even more um, interesting finish as maybe OBJ sits out another game. Maybe Melvin Gordon doesn't get back into the mix. Cam's playing right now. He's been banged up. Do we see this many injuries of such a large magnitude normally at the end of the season, or or am I kind of misimagining this season being a little bit different? Yeah, it's
1: funny. I was, uh, I was thinking about this a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think the end of the season you always see, um, you always see carnage like this, maybe not quite to this extent, but I mean, I think you normally do. Um, and I I think, uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a section later, but yeah, I mean, I think this is just sort of what happens at the end of the season.
4: Yeah, that's probably true. And it's probably just amplified for me because of the number of of these guys that I happen to have. Uh, A quick reminder that Matt and I are going to be doing this show all the way through the playoffs. Um, Might take a couple of weeks off here and there, but you can expect us to be back. Some of the other shows that are more in season focus will be dropping off. And uh, at this point, you can subscribe to all of the shows in their own separate feed. And I do believe that. all of those issues we were experiencing in the past should be eliminated at this point. Yeah. The main feed is back up. Nice. So it's uh yes. Business as usual. Excellent. 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 I know Colin was fighting quite a battle with that. So that's good to hear. (laughs) Yeah, he was. (laughs) Oh, poor guy. Uh, two weeks left in the season, Matt. Patriots go down to the Steelers yesterday. The Eagles, uh, surprise the Rams, Who do you see at this point making the Super Bowl?
1: Oh, man. Uh, If I had had to answer this two weeks ago, um, I would have said on the one side, it would have been either the Chiefs or the Patriots, which is like a a cop out just to split it between the two. Yeah, whatever. That's what I'm going to do. I I would have said it would have been one of those two. Um, And then I would have said in the NFC, it would have been uh, the Rams or the Saints. Right. Um, But like we've seen the Saints lose to the Cowboys we've seen the rams lose two games in a row um you know the the patriots have lost two games in a row uh and the i mean the chiefs they they just lost so like i don't i don't know what to say like i think uh i've never seen um i think a league this wide open at the end of the season where uh you feel like in in maybe like each of the different conferences, you could have like four legit Super Bowl contenders. Um, so, I mean, I'll say I still think the um, the Chiefs probably have the best shot uh, in the AFC and the Saints probably still have the best shot in the NFC. But um, I mean, you really could like it wouldn't surprise it wouldn't surprise me if the Colts made the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Well, by like, the
4: transitive property, they uh they should.
1: Yes, exactly, because they beat the Cowboys. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh no, I mean so like there are just like really I think any team that makes the AFC playoffs I could see making the Super Bowl. Yeah. Basically anyone except the Cowboys.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I think that this season it does not necessarily feel like as much um of a foregone conclusion, if you will, as it normally does that the Patriots are are certainly vying for that Super Bowl spot. I mean, I think that they could very easily lose to the Chiefs, to the Chargers, and of course, the Steelers, Um, although I'd be kind of surprised to see them lose to the Steelers twice, and obviously some things would have to play out in the playoffs for that to happen. Um, I mean, the teams, I heard
1: one, sorry yeah, yeah. one thing I'll say, the teams I would cross out, Um, I don't see the Texans getting there. And me maybe either. that's just me like sort of disrespecting them and they've won ten games. Like, you know, they are right now uh in in control of the number two seed. But I just don't see them, even if they have a buy in the first round, I don't see them getting to the Super Bowl. Um, I don't see the Ravens getting to the Super Bowl, and I don't see the Steelers getting to the Super Bowl. But if it if it were the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Chargers, uh, or the Colts, that wouldn't surprise me. And then the in the NFC I don't see the Cowboys. I don't see the Seahawks. I don't see the Vikings. I think it's going to be Saints, Rams or Bears, you know, and like those Mm -hmm. are all kind of like obvious. But like I'm I'm disregarding basically, I guess, like the bottom half of the playoff teams in the NFC.
4: Yeah, I think it would be interesting, too, if we ended up with a Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers Super Bowl. Yeah, (laughs) that would be good. Uh, So speaking of Phillip Rivers, As we mentioned before, his young wide receiver, Mike Williams, scored two touchdowns on Thursday. That's his third multiple touchdown season of the game. It's interesting, though, that he's gone under 10.6 times, over 15, just three, which naturally were those three performances. Given what you've seen from Williams now, as a Williams dynasty owner, how good of an NFL wide receiver is he? And then from a fantasy perspective, in redraft leagues next season, where do you think he should be going off of the board?
1: Hmm, that's a good question. So uh in terms of like just quote unquote like real NFL skill, uh I think he's good and he fits like a particular skill set of like being able to catch contested passes. So he doesn't need to be wide open for him to be open, you know what I mean? Yep. And he's paired with a quarterback in Phillip Rivers who like just throughout his career has had wide receivers like that and has been very comfortable throwing to guys uh you know like down the field big bodied guys uh, and just letting them make a play on the ball. So he's with the right quarterback for his skill Um, I have, I have issues with his volume. Like not once has he had 10 targets, you know, like he's just not with Keenan Allen in that offense. And then Tyrell Williams as a, uh, I think an underrated receiver as someone yep. who has a lot of skill, uh, a big play type of guy who, uh, is always going to siphon off targets. Like I think Mike Williams has a, a pretty hard cap on his, uh, his target upside, which just limits his ability to accumulate yards. Um, but I think he's still someone who's going to see the ball pretty frequently, um, in the end zone, in the red zone, like they're going to give him his end zone targets. Um, so I don't know, like, I, I don't think people should go crazy with him, uh, in next year's drafts. I mean, maybe like seventh round maybe sixth round. I don't know. Like, I just, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, what do you, what do you think? Like, I don't think he's going to be a guy who gets a thousand yards next year.
4: Yeah. I'm kind of with you along the same lines. Like I think that he's for sure is going to be a usable player and I can see myself drafting him. Probably the earliest would be the sixth round because when Melvin Gordon is there and is healthy, that's just another thing that can kind of take away from yeah. some of the opportunity that he's going to have. At this point, um, you know it's probably conceivable that throughout the course of the season, there's going to or next season, there'll be a couple of games where maybe Gordon's out, maybe Allen is out, or Tyrell Williams or somebody like that, and he can kind of be the focal point. But also with Hunter Henry back in the fold, that takes away some of those things that you can expect the team to rely on Williams for. So I think it's important we don't go crazy. Uh, To me, he's like an attractive seventh round type of target. I just don't think it's going to make sense to reach for him and go any earlier as these multiple touchdown type of games will be hard to come by. Um, And I'd like to see perhaps more yardage be a possibility for him. Uh, So I think we're kind of on the same page there. One thing that I want to bring up right now, I don't know if you just saw this, Matt. The Panthers recorded a passing touchdown with about four minutes into the Monday or four minutes remaining. The first quarter of the Monday night game. Of course, it's not thrown by Cam Newton, which does nothing for me. <laughs> Who threw it? Uh, McCaffrey to my Oh
1: my goodness. Of so, course.
4: all right, I'm going to struggle to make it through the, through the rest of this episode. Um, Dalvin cook. It looked like things were going to be slow, um, for the Minnesota Vikings running game to start the season. Cook had to deal with some injuries again, but since he's been back at full health, he's been pretty solid. We saw 16 points from him against Green Bay, 19 against New England, 20 against Seattle, a huge game yesterday against the uh, Dolphins with 29. I think it's clear at this point, Cook is a good NFL running back. He can do a lot of things for the Vikings. Perhaps if that offense can continue to improve, Cook will once again be an RB1. From a redraft perspective, do you think that it is going to be fair to value him as such as we draft in 2019? Or is there anything that gives you pause?
1: Yeah, Um I'm still un- uncertain. And like, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm still kind of stuck in the mindset of what happened in weeks one through four and then being unavailable in weeks five through eight and kind of still thinking about like, Oh, this is a guy who had like hamstring issues right. and then an ACL issue before that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I actually haven't been all that impressed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I maybe should be more impressed than I have been. Um, and so like yards per attempt is, I mean, it's not like, I don't know, it's not like the best statistic to use. Um, but he has, uh, since returning in week nine, he has averaged 5.8 yards per attempt. Um, the one thing that, and then he's also gotten 4.8 targets per game. Uh, and that is significant because I think it means that he does have three down potential. Um, but the, the thing is like, he hasn't, um, with the exception of this last game uh, where he had 19 carries, Uh, he hasn't really had high carry volume. Um, so he's kind of had these games where he's had like, um, like 10, 10 rushes for like 89 yards. So like, and then you add on the receptions, uh, and the receiving yardage. And it's like, that seems like a decent game. Uh, he does nothing against the bears. He doesn't have a good rushing performance against the Packers, but he saves it with, uh, a receiving touchdown. He has a good rushing performance against the Patriots, but it's not for high yardage, but he saves it with uh, a lot of receptions. Um, Again, like similar thing with Seattle doesn't actually have a good rushing performance, but he saves it with a receiving touchdown and some receptions. Uh, And then last week he just explodes on the ground, Um, but he doesn't have a good receiving game. It's like he has all of these different tools, um, but he hasn't like put it together yet in like a massive game you know what I mean? Yep. So like he has the, I guess he has the potential to do that, but we haven't seen him do that. And I don't know if he actually will do that. Um, because there's Latavius Murray, who's always going to still carries or like, maybe they give him the workload. Um, I guess part of like, will he be a running back one next year? is just determined on, is there another runner in that backfield that they are going to give carries to? Because if he's going to be the guy, Um, and we can project him for a, I don't know, like kind of like Melvin Gordon-esque type of workload. Um, then yeah, then I think he's like easily a running back one, but if there's going to be someone who, uh, could still touchdowns and still carries, then I'm probably more on like the high running back two type of range.
4: Yeah. I think that to kind of like put in perspective, I was worried about cook after the combine so i'm still kind of making that adjustment to being like you know what maybe he is as good of an nfl prospect as i thought watching him in college before i kind of looked too much into the numbers uh so yes he's been doing well i think he's probably slightly or he's he's above average in terms of being a rusher i think that in that vikings offense It's conducive to a back being good. So if he could get all of the volume, yeah, he's probably an RB1. I think if we look at this realistically and try not to extrapolate too much from these last four games, it's probably more likely that he ends up a high RB2 than that RB1. Now, if you take Latavius Murray out of the conversation and there aren't health concerns and the team can really use him as a true bell cow, then I think you're looking at that. I can see, though, how he will get overdrafted if he has another two solid games to close out the season. Yeah, I think that's fair. So a reminder that though the season is winding down, this is when things well, I think they're always in full swing at Rotovis, but this is where some of the things that separate Rotovis from other sites, in my opinion, really start to come into play as we're going to have a whole lot of coverage on the incoming rookie class. There's a project that I've been working on for some time that I'm slowly trying to wrap up or really jump into the next couple of weeks that I think is going to give us a really cool way of looking at a lot of these prospects that we're going to be talking about for the next, I don't know, four or so months. Uh, And then obviously once we know where these rookies are going, that's when things will really take off. So rotovis.com forward slash podcast to get a 30% listener only discount. It was an awful day for quarterbacks yesterday, Matt. Uh, Probably none worse than Josh Rosen, who uh, in one league I saw put up 0.8 points. Someone was actually starting him? Yes. Uh, Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, I think think they found themselves in a tough situation and they had to go with Rosen. Although, I mean, you you look at some of these, man. Jameis Winston, who you might have thought... I would not have expected four points rounded. Ryan Tannehill, four points, Marcus yeah. Mariota, five. Kessler, five, Eli Manning, five. Dak Prescott, six, Nick Foles, nine. I mean, there just were not a lot of points to be had. Um it was just a bad day. Roethlisberger 13, of course, with the ribs. Um, you know, that's not that shocking. Tom Brady, only 13. Sam Darnold, though, the 22 points and our boy Josh Allen slates in at number four in the week with 20. What uh, just an absolute dumpster fire for the position.
1: Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, but Josh Allen, that's a production you can count on because of the legs. So, you know.
4: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's funny because one criticism of the people that were going to go and, and trust and stream Allen was that, you know, you were basically purely going off of the rushing production, not seeing much through the air. Uh, so it's just amazing what he's done. Uh, another rushing touchdown yesterday, and actually the yards. Let me see what were the, oh, the yardage wasn't there. At the all. yardage wasn't the, there at all, but he salvaged yeah. it.
1: Yeah. The Lions have actually been really good this year at uh, preventing rushing yards to quarterbacks. Um, I think entering the game, they were number one in the league. So um, it was just a question of like, I mean, and part of it, I think is because of the zone defense they play. So it's just, it's harder for a quarterback to to take off without a defender noticing, um but uh yeah so the question was just were they going to allow yards to him they did a really good job of not doing that except for the touchdown so yeah. that really saved his day
4: Yeah absolutely and it's interesting too if you look at some other players Jared Goff down at 10 points Andrew Luck down at 10 Mahomes with an off day putting up 18 points finishes 8 but it's uh particularly interesting to me to see Josh Johnson finish in the top 12 at the position um only putting up 15 points, but he had a he's now had two decent games. Would you in a tough spot actually consider rolling him out in the fantasy championship?
1: Uh yes. Um, except, I mean, okay, I was in a tough spot in the Scott Fish Bowl, and I did roll out Josh Johnson. And uh, I mean, he didn't do all that great. Yep. Uh, and I'm not progressing to the next round, but he's not, you know, he's not the reason like right. he, he did what you expected, uh, probably even better than expected. Um, considering, you know, he wasn't on the team like last week. Um, <laughs> you know, but 49 rushing yards and like, that's not an aberration like that. Like he is a dual threat type of guy. Um, so I think he's kind of like, I don't know, like the lesser Lamar Jackson, you know, like yep. I think they do want to do passing things with Josh Johnson. Um, Um, it's just a question of like his receivers aren't all that good anyway, but, um, you know, like I think there are always the opportunities for him to use his legs. So yeah, I mean, if you were in a tough spot, um, yeah, I, I don't think I would mind going with Josh Johnson amazingly.
4: Right. And I mean, it definitely has not been as dire of a situation with him in there as you would have thought. And, um, you know, we, we, we saw that they could be competitive. I mean, granted they were playing the Jaguars who, are definitely not one of the top teams in the league, but I think it shows that you don't need to preclude him um, from your list of options. So which rookie passer has impressed you the most? We've talked about Josh Allen a fair amount. We've talked about Lamar Jackson a couple of times, maybe Mayfield here and there. Uh, But is there one player that really stood out to you? And do you think that any of them are the type of quarterback that can make it to a Super Bowl? And the final question here is which would you most want to be an owner of in Dynasty?
1: Hmm. Uh, okay. So, uh, Mayfield, I think is easily the best, uh, real life quarterback of the group. Yep. Um, I think he has the potential to make it to a super bowl. Um, I think Darnold does to an extent, like he's super young. Um, he's in a scenario that I don't think is really much better than what the Cardinals have going for them. Um, but I think he's done much better Uh, In comparison to Rosen Uh, and I think he's going to continue to improve and like the people who like know about quarterbacking like former quarterbacks and then like people who break down tape um, like they have been impressed with Darnold's maturation. Uh, and then also just kind of like spatial awareness and stuff like that. Like, I don't know how important that is, but you know, they think it's important. And, you know, like he, you know, he was a high pick, um, productive in college and super young, like those guys tend to work out. Um, but Mayfield is the guy I really like, um, in terms of fantasy, I think that in the short term, uh, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen will continue to be guys who score lots of points because of their rushing ability, um, of the two. I think Jackson might have the better chance of like transitioning into like actual NFL hood. Whereas I think uh Josh Allen at some point is going to uh be like a non-entity just because like he he cannot throw. For sure. You know? Um, so I don't know. Uh Mayfield is the guy I want most from like a long term dynasty perspective. If I were looking for just production in the short term, it would probably be Josh Allen.
4: Well, according to uh, Bill's Twitter, Allen is is doing great. Um, so he's winning. Yeah. You know, yes. I mean. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, I think that Mayfield, from a real NFL perspective, has has definitely separated himself from the pack. Um, I'm not buying though that either Jackson or Allen can really keep this up. I think that there will be the defensive adjustments by next season. I'd like to buy into Lamar Jackson. It's just that we've seen this kind of, I don't know how to label it, but we've seen this now from a number of quarterbacks and it has not been able to last. And at this point, I just don't think that there's been enough through the air. Although I do think that uh, Baltimore is probably an organization that is going to allow him to not have to be as great of a pure passer. Um, as some other teams would. Uh, For Dynasty, I think though long-term at this point, for me, it would probably be Darnold or Mayfield. I'm a little clouded as a Mayfield owner. Um, uh, But I think if if forced to decide, I'd stick and say that for me, it's probably Mayfield long term.
1: Yeah. I mean, the one thing with Lamar Jackson, uh, he's also really young. So um, I think he does have some kind of Michael Vick type of potential. Yep as someone, um, because like he's so, he is so athletic, like so freakishly athletic in a way that a lot of other running quarterbacks still aren't. Um, so I think he could probably still be able to do a lot of things with his speed. And maybe he's just one of those guys for his career. You know, you just kind of have to accept that he has a completion percentage that's below 60%. And that's just kind of how it is, but he makes enough plays. Um, and because he's still young, like, I think there's the possibility that he could continue to improve as a passer. Like I would expect that he's better next year in the year after that. So, um, there is some hope for him. Whereas like Josh Allen, like he's, I don't know, he's not old, but he's just a little bit older. Um, and I don't know, I just, I don't, I don't have quite as much faith in his ability.
4: Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, Cam Newton, how good of an NFL passer would you or NFL quarterback will will say, do you think he is? Uh I I mean, I don't think he's really all that good, mm-hmm.
1: but he's had like the peak seasons and um I think he's been dominant enough at what he does um to like warrant having a team built around him. You know what I mean? Like he's won right. an MVP award every year. He's been healthy. He's been a top five fantasy quarterback. Like that's not necessarily the same thing as like a good, uh, like a good real life quarterback, but like that's it, it approximates, you know what I mean?
4: Yeah, for sure. Um, cause I do think that to put up the statistical type of output at that position, um, to rank that high in fantasy year over year, you know, there has to be some level of consistency in your game and you have to find multiple ways to achieve it. So some season we've seen him do it more on the ground, other seasons more through the air, um, to close. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, the, sorry, just
1: to So the, the only quarterback in NFL history, or I guess with the exception of probably Josh Allen now at this point, but, um, with more uh, rushing yards per game than Cam Newton is Michael Vick and Newton obviously leads the league, uh, in league history, all quarterbacks and rushing touchdowns. You know, like there's there's a lot with him that is really good.
4: Yep, absolutely. Um, moving off of the quarterback position, how good do you think Joe Mixon is? I bring this up because if you look at his expected points lately, they've been tremendous. They really make him look like he could be an RB1 heading into next season. Uh through 12 games, averaging 4.8 yards a carry, eight touchdowns, 52 targets, four directs, 284 yards. And a touchdown, 18.5 points a game is what that works out to.
1: Yeah, he absolutely is an RB1. Um, the year he entered the league in Dynasty, uh, he was my number one uh, overall pick. And uh, Christian McCaffrey was my number two pick. Um, and then like Leonard Fournette was was after them. But like a lot of people have Leonard Fournette number one. But like Mixon, his combination of age, um, his draft pedigree, his ability as a receiver and then his physical profile, like all of that is like, it combines into uh, a really elite package. So like he has his off the field issues. um, But like so far that hasn't like bled into his NFL career. Um, And, you know, maybe there are no more off the field issues that pop up. You just kind of, you don't know, but uh, just in terms of what he's doing on the field, uh, yeah, he has a lot of ability and especially again because he's a, a good pass catcher as a large guy. Uh, there is a lot to
4: like about him for sure. And, and I also like to um, not to get too much into the film watching, but sometimes it's like when he catches a target just like he's very fluid in taking it and then making a move and acting as more of like a receiver. So I've just been impressed with him. And I, I think that, um, you know, kind of another season where things just did not work out for Cincinnati. But if they are able to put things together one season, I mean, I think he has a really high ceiling in that season. And at this point, there's very little competition for him in the backfield.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's averaging over 100 yards per game. And like, it doesn't even seem as if he's having all that great of a season, right?
4: You know, so like the ceiling
1: is just huge.
4: Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, and the, the, I think he's an important player to focus on too, because maybe I'm in a bit of a bubble, um, but I have not heard too much talk about him or people really kind of giving him credit for what he's done, which is what you like to see with guys like this. Cause I think that makes him an attractive target heading into next season.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, for comparison, like, would you rather have next year, Joe Mixon or Dalvin cook?
4: I'd probably rather have Joe Mixon.
1: Yeah. Easily Easily, for me. I'd rather have Mixon.
4: Right. Right. Um, and some of that has to do with the durability, but the other aspect for sure is definitely the competition, um, which I, I don't think you can look away from, especially as I said, if you look at his recent expected points, they have been really, really solid, Um, we've seen players like Josh Reynolds, Robert Foster, Aldrick Robinson, find some success down the stretch. Are you intrigued by any of these players going into next season? You can answer that and then I will have a follow up for you. Um, I mean, definitely not Aldrich Robinson.
1: Like, uh, you know, old, I honestly, like, I think one of my first wrote of his articles, like back in the day was on Aldrich Robinson. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously love him, wish, uh, his career had gone, uh, a little bit smoother. Um, but yeah, I mean, good for him on, on being able to hang around the NFL as long as he has, um, Josh Reynolds, I don't see much of a path for him. Um, he's splashed some and he definitely has like that jump ball, uh, touchdown potential. But, um, I mean, there's Cooper cup who I'm presuming is going to come back and be close to full health. Uh, which means they'll have Robert Woods and Brandon cooks on the outside. And I just, I mean, they, they are better than Josh Reynolds. Um, so of the trio, I would go Robert Foster who has really flashed a lot. Um, and he fits that deep ball type of role that, um, like if there's one thing that I think Josh Allen could be really good at, it's just throwing the ball as hard and as far as he can and letting some guy go run and catch it. And maybe Robert Foster can be that guy. Like he did almost nothing at Alabama, but he was like the number one wide receiver recruit coming out of high school. So like there's some clear talent there. Uh, and you know, maybe it was just a situation where you know, things just weren't working out. Like Alabama is a very run heavy team. Yep. Um, maybe it just wasn't working out for whatever reason for Foster, uh, but it can work out for him in the NFL. So uh, he would be the guy, but I still wouldn't spend like a quality pick on him. He would just be someone I would be kind of happy to get as a volatile flyer in a best ball league. And I think he's actually a really good best ball pick because he does have that big play upside.
4: Sure. Uh, and since we are trying to find a way to kind of walk the balance of still helping out people that might be in the finals, um, and also people, you know, just looking ahead to next season next week. Um, do you feel good about the three of those guys? Uh, as you know, as I mentioned earlier, we've seen some injuries that uh, are definitely impacting a lot of these teams that would be in the finals. There's some really good players have gone down.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I wouldn't play Robinson. Reynolds is someone who is possible against Arizona. Um, especially because I think we should probably assume that, um, Patrick Peterson will not be on him.
4: Um,
1: <laughs> so I, I, think, I think he might have more opportunities. Uh, Robert Foster is maybe interesting, um, against new England. Um, but I just, I don't know. I wouldn't feel super confident about, uh, his ability to beat whether it's Stefan Gilmore or whether it's uh, Jason McCordy, like, I don't know. I mean, there's always the pause. If you're playing Foster, like you're hoping he just scores a long touchdown. And honestly, like you're probably so desperate, like hopefully you're also starting Josh Allen and you get kind of like double the points if that happens, you know, but like he's a desperation play.
4: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so a couple of possibilities there. Uh, And we want to remind you that watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the games, which, by the way, I made a nice move yesterday and took the under on that Pittsburgh New England game, uh, which clearly paid off. Anyway, smart
1: for you, I took the over total donkey. You're kidding. Whatever. Really? Of course, I took the over Pittsburgh at home.
4: Yeah, I don't know to me. Well, I mean, I guess we could. (laughs) i mean i was on the wrong side because i didn't win you know yeah all right uh anyways you've heard us talking also too there were some really good uh fantasy betting props too I don't know if you if you looked at those yesterday, but there's a couple I really liked, and I, I, they, they, did, they did pretty well. Um. Anyways, we've been talking about this for weeks. If you're still on the sidelines, whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, like playing the numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay, pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you could turn 100 into $600. There's so much to bet on, college basketball and football, NBA, NHL, custom props, even esports. MyBookie is the one bet we know you'll be happy with all year. We trust them. They've been in business for years. Love the mobile site. It's really easy to use. So sign up this week and MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. And make sure to follow at BetMyBookie on Twitter. They respond to every mention and DM. They've given away a ton of free money to their followers this football season and you will be the first to know as new odds are posted. So don't miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports this year. Log on to my bookie right now and use promo code Rotoviz and get a 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code Rotoviz, and you play, you win, you get paid at my bookie. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of
3: Sonoma, California.
4: I'm going to throw in a, um, question for you here, Matt, that, um, we did not have on the outline as I had not seen this, but the Packers pick up Capri Bibbs. If Aaron Jones is injured, do you think that there's any chance Bibbs gets into the folder, or Is it really just going to be all Williams?
1: I think it would be Williams. I mean, Bibbs might play like the secondary role, but, um, I would, I believe it would be Williams, uh, for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, he has, uh, you know, actual experience uh, with the team, they know him. Uh, and then two, you know, like they've invested in him and he's probably the better player.
4: Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I definitely don't think you could trust to throw him in. I mean, I, maybe if you're like in a league that goes to week 17 and Jones is still out It could maybe become a possibility, but I doubt that that would be something you would want to go after. Now, another thing that came out, it looks like Todd Gurley is having some issues with his knee, looking like, though, he is going to play. But if he doesn't, how would you feel about adding one of the backup running backs on the Rams and using them in the finals?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, the Rams are uh, a pretty run heavy team. Uh, at least let me rephrase that when they are doing well, they are a run heavy team. Um, and the good thing is that one of the other backups uh, on the team, uh, Malcolm Brown, Yep. Uh, he was the main backup but now he's out. So like pretty clearly uh, John Kelly would be the guy who slots in and gets a lot of work there. Um, I'm assuming that they would tend to go with Kelly more as the guy instead of splitting it uh, with Justin Davis. And John Kelly is actually a pretty good receiving back. Um, So I'm not saying he can do uh, what Gurley does, but he can sort of serve a similar function. Um, So, you know, just as we've seen Jalen Samuels uh, be a guy who gets like a decent amount of the work, or I mean, I say decent amount, basically all of the work, uh, (laughs) with, with James Conner out. Like I think John Kelly would get a lot of the work with Gurley out. So, uh, yeah, I mean, John Kelly would be someone that, uh, I think is unowned in a lot of leagues and should absolutely be picked up.
4: I like it. I like it. Um, especially at this point, because it's probably like, I mean, I know there's only one week, but as far as the speculative ad goes, you might as well drop a guy that you know you're not going to play and just kind of swing for the fences there. Um, In the preseason, we talked about reflecting on the prior season, taking some notes that you can look back on as you head into the next season. Are there any players that maybe you would make some of these notes on? Maybe some trends that you'd be making bullets on if you were to keep such a notebook, which I'm imagining that you actually don't, but I'm sure you have one in the recesses of that mind. (laughs) You
1: know, so every, every year I kind of have this internal struggle of like, um, I don't know, like positional allocation and strategy of like how much, how much draft capital do I want to invest in particular positions? Um, and so, and basically it comes down to like, do I do zero RB or do I go heavy on running backs early? Um, I mean, and sometimes there's balance and, you know, you, you take a draft as it comes to you. So if a guy who should be drafted in the first round falls to you in the second round, then you take him, you know, Yep. but, um, I don't know. I, I tend like this year, I know that people said like, this is a year that kind of like RB zero, uh, was killed off, but I kind of don't know if that's true. Um, you know, like teams that took, uh, Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson early, um, they've basically been dead since the beginning of the season. Uh, and you know, at this point now, uh, Todd Gurley might be injured. Um, Kareem Hunt isn't in the league and that's like its own kind of random thing, but like there's so much uncertainty at the running back position and like you have someone like Jalen Samuels, uh, basically dominating one week. Um, I don't know. I like, I, I'm just looking at the carnage that we've seen this late in the season at the running back position, like, uh, Jeff Wilson, you know, as a guy <laughs> who's seen action. Yep. Um, I don't know. I just, it just makes me think like, I, I need to be, I think a little more, um, like diligent in remembering that next season and like investing quality draft picks in wide receivers, because I just, I I do believe that in terms of like positional quality, um, even if, even if the, the wide receiver position can be kind of volatile week to week, just because of targets and things like that. Um, I think those, those high equity guys tend to keep their value a little bit more just because like they don't have the injury risk that the running backs have. And I think that ends up mattering, especially late in the season. You know, like if I had, uh, you know, three really great wide receivers and then I were able to pick up like Jalen Samuels or even, you know, like think like James Conner later in the draft or whoever it is, like there are guys that you can get late and like, it's a crapshoot, but that's just kind of like what the running back position is anyway, even when it's a high quality guy, it's still a crapshoot.
4: I agree with a lot of that. And I mean, when was the last time we didn't see it this season? There's none of there's no uh, wide receivers that you just pick up off of waivers and all of a sudden they catapult to the top of the rankings and become like a 20 point a week type of guy that just doesn't happen. And I think that if you're somebody that's gone wide receiver heavy for a number of years, you kind of fall into this grass is always greener type of thing because Running back start off the season, they're doing well, they're getting a lot of attention, a lot of hype because it's a little bit harder to predict that position and you kind of get caught up into focusing on the success of these players and not perhaps realizing that receivers really killed it this season and there are a lot of them that did well. Um, so I completely get that positional allocation thing. I've been questioning if maybe I need to focus on running back a little bit more or be more smart with when I actually do go after running back and maybe not going after guys like Royce Freeman um, or running backs where there's a lot of speculation <laughs> if I am going to go for running back.
1: Yeah. And, and so it's funny that you mentioned Royce Freeman, like look just at the AFC West at the beginning of the season. Everyone would have said that the the four backs starting for those teams would be Royce Freeman, uh, Kareem Hunt, Melvin Gordon and, uh, Marshawn Lynch. Yep. Right. And, and like last week, the guys who dominated the backfields (laughs) for those teams were Philip Lindsay, Damian Williams, Justin Jackson, and Doug Martin. Yeah. You know, like there's so much turnover at the running back position and there's not nearly as much at the wide receiver position, you know, like, and as you mentioned, like it, it rarely happens that you can find a, a plug and play guy at wide receiver off of waivers. Like it it sometimes happens, but like it is it is very rare. Like mm-hmm. what was the name of that guy um for the Chargers like a few years it doesn't even matter. But like mm-hmm. who who came on like in the second half of the season who had like that one amazing second half of the season and then did like nothing for the rest of his career cuz he tore his ACL.
4: Um yeah, I can't remember, I know what you're talking about. And also no. the, the important thing there too is with these receivers though, it might happen, but again, as we talk about a lot, you, it has to be predictive with the running backs. You can predict who these guys are going to be when it happens with a wide receiver. It just comes completely out of nowhere.
1: Yeah. I mean, occasionally, yeah, you will get like a, um, like a miles Austin situation where it's just like, uh, but, but even then, like, it's not as if you could have anticipated that he would have a game like that. And then like that one game would turn into like the rest of a season and then his career. But like, he was still a guy who was super productive in college and athletic. So like you can still like kind of take your chances, but like it, it hardly ever works out. It's, it's so much easier to see the path to production for running backs than it is for wide receivers.
4: Absolutely. Um, My takeaway that first comes to mind for me is when I'm considering wide receivers, especially those guys that are maybe the fourth or fifth option on my team, I think I need to take into consideration their quarterback a little bit more because I found myself with a lot of shares in guys like Robbie Anderson, Kenny Stills, um, Jamison Crowder, Paul Richardson, and though Stills and Anderson have had flashes here and there, the commonality that they have is they did not live up to my expectations and largely because they did not have solid quarterback situations. So, you know, if you're dealing with absolute stud players, that's probably not something that you need to focus on quite as much. But with those guys that I'm hoping can outperform my expectations, I probably need to focus a little bit more on who is going to be throwing them the ball.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. So one, Denario Alexander, that was the guy I was thinking. Of oh, nice, of. nice,
4: nice, nice. Um,
1: two, uh, yeah, I agree with your point. And like there are some receivers who are um, very quarterback independent um, and either it's because of just like their efficiency, their ability, or maybe because of like their kind of locked in role within their offense. Yep. Um, and then other guys who, uh, like throughout their careers have just like proven that they are kind of dependent on the quarterback around them. Um, and like you know, it's harder to do that research, but I think that research is worth doing and you can do it pretty easily with like the game splits app at Rotoviz. uh, you know, like that is a really good tool to use for things like that. Um, so that is probably something worth doing.
4: Nice. And I love the, uh, the subtle RV plug there. Um, fun fact for you, Matt, Saquon Barkley went under 10 points for the first time all season yesterday We've talked yeah. about how good he's been. We've talked about Philip Lindsay and Nick Chubb to some extent. But do you think that Chubb is as good of an NFL rusher as we thought? I know we were both pretty high on him heading into the start of his career. And um, if you haven't been as impressed with Chubb as you would like, is there perhaps another rookie running back that uh, has kind of shined through for you? I've been
1: super impressed with Chubb. Um, I think he's going to be you know, locked in as the guy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's been I think he's also been good enough as a receiver um, to to give him the ability to stay on the field more. Like it's not as if you have to plug in Duke Johnson uh, if you're, you know, like the offensive coordinator for the Browns. Like you have the ability for Chubb to be better in the passing game than you probably anticipated. So, yeah, uh, I've been impressed with him. Uh, But I mean, Philip Lindsay has really been the guy who who came from nowhere And uh, I think he has a legit shot to be the lead back there. Um, I mean, who who really knows? Because I think it's probable that they will replace Vance Joseph um, so we could see a new offensive coordinator and we just kind of don't know how they're going to feel about using a guy of that size as the lead back. So we just we kind of don't know, but Lindsay, I think, has definitely earned a role. Like at, at the minimum, he's earned like the the opportunity to be like the very strong change of pace back who gets like series to himself. Um, he's really impressed me.
4: Yeah, he's awesome. And I want to mention that um Blair Andrews mentioned Lindsay a couple of times this offseason and looked at some different uh like backfield dominator type of metrics and things that he was pulling together. And he was just like really onto him. So I just want to shout out Blair on that because he did have him on my radar. Um But, you know, like we've mentioned before, when they also drafted Freeman, it made it hard to think that you were going to get the, the opportunity and the production out of him. But yeah, he's been fantastic. So the player for 2019 that you are most excited about and hopefully other fantasy owners have not yet caught on to
1: that's a good question and one I didn't really pay attention to <laughs> on the on the outline when I looked it over. Um man.
4: Um I'll give you, I don't, I'll, I don't okay. know. Yeah, you, give me your you can answer on what gonna thinking about this. Now this is a player, this isn't that outside of the box, but if you're not in the his bubble, if you will, um You might not have known that much or been expecting as much of DJ Moore coming into the season. I think that we've seen some things; it's really lining up for him. And I don't know if other people are going to catch on that. I think the step forward he's going to take in year two is going to be very significant. So yes, he's had a good rookie season, but I don't know if other people are going to appreciate just how good he could be. And we're seeing that a lot of the things we were expecting are lining up. It looks like we were right about his profile and how it's going to translate. So I'm very excited about him heading into next season.
1: Yeah. Uh, I like that one. Um, I think it will be easy for people to draft, um, I don't know, 20 other wide receivers in front of him, maybe even 25. And so I think where you're going to be able to get him, he will provide a lot of value. Uh, one guy, this, this isn't, this isn't really a good answer, but it's, it's the answer I'm going to give. Um, Josh Gordon, (laughs) like, like, I think he's, he's been better, um, in new England than people give him credit for. And I think like, I don't know. I I think like he hasn't scored the number of touchdowns. I think people will be kind of slow to draft him. Um, but I've actually been pretty impressed, especially considering that he came over not in the middle of the season, but like he didn't have a training camp, um, with the Patriots. Um, still like, I think kind of working his way into shape. He still had like the lingering hamstring issue. Um, but you know, if you prorate what he's done with the Patriots, like he's, you know, been pacing for like over a thousand receiving yards, I think like closer to 1100 receiving yards. Um, like, I think he's actually done a pretty good job on that team. And I think, uh, with an off season there, um, it could be even better. Uh, and I think he will be fairly easy to acquire. You know, like, yep. I don't, I don't see people rushing out to, to experience the Josh Gordon, uh, <laughs> you know, ownership, right. uh, travails. So, right. Yeah. Well, he's someone I am interested in.
4: Yeah. And I think the other important thing to mention too, is that we've seen a lot of players have trouble coming over into news, new England and transitioning in, and even in the preseason. Uh, and these are guys that have been talented just haven't been able to find their way actually into playing time. So I do think it's impressive that Gordon was able to come over in the season and establish himself as much as he has. And I think that there's been situations where very easily, uh, you know, maybe he could have had another one, two, maybe even three touchdowns, a couple more targets a game, a little bit more on the yard side of things. So if he takes a step forward and remember to some extent too, this is a guy trying to kind of recapture his life. If he can stay focused he has that off season with them. Yeah. I mean, he could definitely outplay where people are going to draft him. As I do think that now there's been an adjustment that has been made where people know this isn't the Josh Gorman you saw early on in his career, but I do believe that there is upside for him heading into next season. So I've I've got, I've got two more. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. No worries. Uh, okay. Uh, this is kind of coming from
1: left field, uh, Darius Geis. Oh my God. I love it.
4: I love it. I love it you know, but I, I think I read though, that he had an infection and he might miss another season.
1: I don't think he's going to miss another season. I think it's just that he's had the infection that set him back, but he's like in the rehab process. Um, the Adrian Peterson, uh, like experience has been interesting, but like, I think we see pretty clearly that he's ending, you know, he's ending his career. Um, they still need a lead back, I have no idea what's going to happen with Gruden and Washington, whether they're going to keep him or not. But, you know, Geis is he's young. He was super productive, athletic uh, ACL injuries aren't really what they used to be for running back. So I, I think he should be able to make a recovery. Uh, and I think he could be acquired pretty cheaply, yep. um, you know, relative to a guy who projects to have a, a pretty full workload or at least I think should be able to win uh, a workload the way that like Nick Chubb did yep. this year so he's someone who's really interesting and then uh we've mentioned him before but like Chris Herndon yep um you know like rookie tight end for the Jets uh I think he's he's done pretty well uh on a team that doesn't have much going for it but you have a quarterback in Sam Darnold who you know we would project would develop uh, and Herndon, like, is done. Like rookie tight ends tend not to do all that well. You know, like you can just like look at the hype. That a lot of like, look at OJ Howard last year. Like he did almost nothing. Right. But like Herndon has been like a pretty incorporated part of of the offense. Like they're giving him the ball each week. Um. So I'm I'm interested in in what he could do in a second season. Um. You know, new offensive coordinator, but as like a a talented guy who has good size and speed. Um, and you know, like had good, uh, pedigree in college and stuff like that. So he's, he's interesting to me.
4: I like those. And any chance I get to talk about Darius guys, I'm going to take, I really think that Darius guys has the talent that he very realistically could be a top five fantasy running back multiple seasons in his career. In most classes, he would have been the first running back drafted. I really like him. Uh, so yeah, a name that you absolutely have to keep in mind. Before we close up the show, Matt, and I actually teased this to you last week so that you could have some time to think about it. There are prominent people out there that uh, are self-aggrandizing enough to put out lists of their rules to life. I think sometimes <laughs> you see like 12 rules to life. Do you, as the illustrious Matthew Friedman, I was searching for a good adjective there. I don't know if I found one. That That's a great one. Okay. I mean, it's not, it's not accurate, but it's great. <laughs> so- if, if forced to make a, a list of 12 rules to life, what is one of them? Are you like, you know, obviously I am not expecting 12, but can you think of what one of them would be?
1: Uh, I mean, so here's the thing. Did you, did you actually ask me this last week? Uh, well I, think I, you, I
4: tweeted it to you. So you,
1: you tweeted it. That's right. And I think, what did I say? No rules. No rules. Yeah. That's what I said. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause you're um, such a rebel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One rule, no rules. Um, <laughs> Yeah. If I, if I had to come up with like some rules for life, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not gonna be able to come up with good ones, but, um, yeah, I guess one would be like, uh, when you're younger, it's definitely okay to like take risk and to, uh, like be okay with failing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that's not just like when you're young. Like, I mean, I think you should, um, you should always be okay with failing and taking risk. I think like too many people don't take risk um, like too many people are risk adverse. And so it creates even like more opportunities and more upside for the people who are willing to take risks. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess like, and even like, I don't know, like when I play cards, like I'm like, a, like my, my family, like we have like a card game. So whenever I go home, like we basically just like play cards all the time. And, uh, like I'm, I'm always like pretty aggressive in that. Uh, and like, I don't know, like, I feel like I just tend to be like when I would play sports in high school, I was like an aggressive player. Like, I feel like <laughs> aggression is the key to life. Now, Um, you know, but like, not like aggression in terms of like being a dick to other people, but like, right. I guess like assertiveness, uh, you know, like a, a sort of a doggedness of like going after, um, what your goal is. So, and, and like being okay with the, um, like the likelihood of failure, uh, in a number of instances, uh, in knowing that like, it's not as if like, I, knowing that like, all you really need is kind of like success once. And then like, once you've had that success, that's something that you can build upon for the future. And just like knowing that you're going to have failure, but the fa- the failure, like is something that is just like the building block to future success.
4: I think that this should turn into a uh, post. Matthew Friedman's twelve rules to life.
1: <laughs> that was a horrible. I don't even know what the what the rule was that I, I just uh, I'm not really vomited sh- all over. I think I think the rule was that it, there, it, was um, some, there was like something, be, there was something in be aggressive, be aggressive. Okay, like okay. like I'm a cheerleader. Like be aggressive. <laughs>
4: yeah, I was going to say but that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Be aggressive is is, is my rule. All right. Well,
4: <laughs> well, there we go. Hey, I mean, I think that uh, seek no. Let me rephrase that. Seek risk. Seek risk. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll accept that. Um, I think that we could even extrapolate that or apply that to fantasy football if we had more time, but I think,
1: oh, no, I mean, we, we do have the time. Um, we can just say, apply that to fantasy football, like <laughs> seek, like seek risk, do, do the risky thing because not enough yeah. people are doing it. So it, it gives you a lot of upside.
4: It, it really does. I think that very rarely do you see a conservative team win a fantasy championship that conservative team might not might not come in last but very rarely do they actually win so it is certainly applicable uh, to fantasy football Um, on that note I think we can get out of here Let's do it. That's gonna do it for today's episode. Once again, I'm Dave Cabin. You can follow me on Twitter at Dave My co-host was Matthew Friedman, who you can follow at Matt F the Oracle. This has been Roto-Viz Radio. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and be sure to tune in next week. And remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it. Thank you for listening to RoboViz Radio. Please rate, review, and contact us via email at radio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at RoboViz Radio and support the pod by subscribing to RoboViz at a 30% discount through the listener homepage at rodoviz.com forward slash podcast.
3: Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm great, thanks. What if businesses could really understand how their customers feel, act on it and make them feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management. For more, go to sap.com slash xm. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn.